0: Hello and welcome to the Attribution Marketing Podcast where we help businesses, brands, and entrepreneurs get more out of their marketing and advertising spend. On today's episode, we have Sel Evans, who is a master of branding, marketing, and the personalized customer experience. We are lucky to have her on the show. Thanks for joining us. How are you?
1: I'm doing great today. I'm excited. I get fired up every single time I get to geek out.
0: I can tell we we felt your energy right from the top. So we always like to start off with a little bit of a career arc, a story arc. Just tell us how you got to this position, a little bit about your career and, and what you're doing now.
1: Oh, this is always the fun part because there's always like a little bit of an eyebrow raise when I tell this story. Okay, so I actually started off in accounting. I was in accounting for, oh my gosh, so many years, but I've always been the type of person that was always looking for the better way to do things. So I climbed the corporate ladder because I was always looking for efficiency. I was always looking for how to automate things, how to do this, how to do that. And what ended up happening is I ended up running a company as their CEO after climbing the corporate ladder. And within a year of becoming the CEO, we grew the company to Inc 5,000. And that was because my constant like hunger for efficiency and automation, I literally took the entire company gutted it and we just started over with all the processes and building everything to be so efficient uh, that we grew exponentially within one year's time. So I realized through all of that, that that was my absolute passion was just efficiency and automation. So I set out, do, I set out on my own journey to do that full time and to just help other people implement automation and implement efficiency in their own businesses. And the reason that we settled on sales and marketing automation is because honestly, that is where automation serves you most. So I studied automation and sales and marketing for a while and then figured out that that personalized marketing was so much more effective, right? than any other type of marketing I had seen. So segmentation and using personalized elements within your your message delivery. Also just using automation anywhere in this process, but maintaining personalized touches throughout the entire journey was what we designed. And it's just a beautiful thing to see once it's all put together and everything's flowing. So it it really is something we get fired up about. I
0: think a lot of the folks listening to this podcast They are sort of enterprise marketers. They have 10, 20, 30 channels all going at the same time, different messaging, different markets, different localization efforts. And so it ends up being a very complicated equation and one that becomes challenging to automate and set and forget. So talk us through maybe some of the steps that you go through to to get these things set up correctly or just maybe some pitfalls to avoid, but Talk us through the best practices for all things automation for the enterprise marketer.
1: Absolutely. So basically the first thing that we do when we're implementing automation is we literally have to do this painstaking process of going through all of your processes. Why? Because we have to figure out first what we can simplify. Is this really the best way to do XYZ process? So that's the first step. We have to simplify your processes because there's always a better way. Once we figure out the best way to simplify the processes and optimize them for efficiency, then we'll figure out the different points in your processes that you can automate. It's really super important. I tell everybody this, not to over-automate. What does that mean? I have a, a great example in that when I first started off, I, like I said, I have this passion for automation. I over automated it. And I had a client send me a message and she was telling me, oh, I'm sorry. I've been out of pocket. My mother died is what she told me. My my mother died, but I would like to meet with you soon. So the automation triggered when she said she'd want to meet with me, it triggered and it responded and it said, oh, great. We want to meet with you too. Here's a meeting length schedule at your earliest convenience. But it missed that human element of saying my sincerest condolences or even Uh, acknowledging the first half of that mess. So then I realized, yes, over-automation is absolutely possible. (laughs) So I've been very careful ever since of maintaining a certain amount of humanity in in the processes that we deliver to our clients. But you really do um, have to start with checking to see the complexity of your process, seeing how you can simplify it, then implementing automation while keeping that human touch when it comes to the delivery or when it comes to client-facing things. And then once all of that is done, then you can see the different areas or the different segments of your audience in which you can really fine-tune your messaging. So once we've built out the entire system, hey, these are the areas we're going to automate, here are the segments of my audience, here's the different messaging or the different journeys that I want to take each segment through, then you're pretty much done at that point. And you can watch the beauty of something that you built, just have higher conversion rates and really awe you.
0: Well said. I think at LeadsRx, we do a lot with attribution and how to optimize all your campaigns. And one of the things that we always recommend to folks is that Like you mentioned, you can't automate everything. There is a human element. You have to be able to interpret data and, and uh, make a human decision given all that data. And I think that's what you're highlighting here. Automation is great, but if you don't think it through, or you try to do too much, it can actually cause more harm than good. So let's say these initial steps, maybe it takes three months, six months or a year. Now the automations are all working and, and things are humming along smoothly. How do you then measure the performance of that automation or the marketing channels that are feeding new prospects into it? We are all about improving marketing performance. So even if the machine is perfectly fine-tuned, a marketer is going to try to find a way to get another 10th you know, of a percent improvement in conversion rates. So what are some of those key KPIs that you're looking at when evaluating an automation or marketing performance in general?
1: a really great question. We use a lot of different analytics in order to determine uh, how your different campaigns are performing, where something may be falling short. Throughout the entire process, you have to be gathering data, reviewing the data, and making changes. So for instance, when we have a new client, first thing we do is look at different analytics referring to their website. Okay, if we notice that everybody is scrolling to 50% of your homepage and and exiting the page, then we know that there's an issue here. So all that type of data is something that we have to look at on a constant basis and just see if there are any trends to see where we need to do some A-B testing, do some changes on your homepage, on your campaigns. If if nobody's opening the second message in this campaign, then we really need to change this the subject line. So always looking every step of the way at the analytics, seeing what um, is working, what isn't working and constantly making adjustments. So yes, it can be running smoothly and that's great, but to be honest with you, this is always going to be one of those ongoing games where we're looking to see how we can improve each and every single one of your campaigns and and improve your messaging. And where can we add another automation point? Where is there a new segment of your audience and things like that?
0: So I think underpinning all this and marketing still 100 years ago, 50 years ago, or five minutes ago, content is the most important aspect to it, or it's the glue that, that brings it all together. You could have perfect automation and, and fantastic data and analytics across every component. But if you have poorly written content or poor content in general, that automation is not going to work the way that you intended. So talk us through maybe your opinions on the importance of content, where people should be spending their time. If you came to a business that had no real customer journey thought out, no real omni-channel marketing, no email marketing campaigns going, where would you start with them in terms of their content marketing plan? What channels would you activate first? And maybe some of those strategies to get the ball rolling on the content marketing side, because that's sort of the fuel that feeds the marketing automation side.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I really, honestly, if I ran across somebody who had none of these things going, I'd be like a kid in a candy store. Basically, we're going to take a deep dive into who it is that you're trying to reach. We're going to build a client avatar for you. Where does your ideal market hang out? Once we figure that out, that's where we're going to put our efforts as far as which channels that we're going to do the content marketing on. One thing that we find, and this is where personalized marketing really stands out is that yes the content matters so much but also delivering that content with the personalized elements such as a personalized image personalized videos personalized landing pages really does help to convert your prospects a lot faster so content is so 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 important the next thing that's super important is using that personalization to really wow your customers and wow your prospective clients uh, and get them to convert much faster.
0: So you bring up an interesting point, and it's a hot buzzword out there in marketing these days, but consumer privacy and collecting data and some of the marketing functions that you reference, are cl- very closely tied to tracking folks across websites, what they do on their mobile phones, where those mobile phones are located, and essentially the sharing of third-party data that could be a third-party tracking cookie from an analytics company, or it could be the weather app selling your location data to Facebook, who then turns around and sells that location data back to advertisers that, that might be restaurants in a local community, and they want to hit you with an ad if you're within a quarter mile of their restaurant, okay? The underpinning of that data model and the personalization, because it, it is personalized, they say, hey, we noticed... You're on 1st and Main Street. You should come stop in for a, for a haircut. That is extremely personalized. And on one hand, it's fantastic because I needed a haircut. And yes, I am on 1st and Main. But on the other hand, it's extremely invasive if the messaging isn't something that I want. And obviously, Apple and Google and uh, the various government agencies around the world are tightening the screws on what is possible with marketing marketing personalization, not personalization per se, but the ability to track and collect that data. So my question to you is, if we jump forward, let's say a year from now or two years from now, and some of the data, individualized data, as opposed to almost probabilistic data has gone away, how would you pivot your strategy? How can people get set up for that? What can folks do now while the data is available to prepare themselves for Uh, a marketing phase when the data is not available.
1: So you bring up a really interesting point so there are certain data points that are very public but there are other data points like what you said like location knowing that somebody's on first in maine is something we wouldn't generally put on a personalized message hey we know you're on first in maine because that can be really kind of creepy why do you know that so we kind of stick to other things so for instance if we are approaching you on linkedin we do a lot of automated linkedin outreach we may put your profile picture from linkedin Onto that outreach, we may put uh, your logo, which is another public thing. Your website, a snapshot of your website, depending on what it is that we're trying to, w- what it is that we're trying to convert you on. We're gonna, we're gonna really use a personalized touch to it. So we're talking about a personalized touch. We don't want to go all the way to, hey, here's your address, here's your birthday, here's your social security number, <laughs> but we do want to capture attention because the whole point is, for instance, if you've made a marketing video, how much more likely is somebody to watch? The entire video if it's personalized because they want to see every single personalized element that you've created within the video versus what they, how long they watch it through if it wasn't personalized. You see a huge bump in in playthroughs when you actually personalize a video or you see a huge bump in in just impressions because people stop and they really pay attention when they see their own name or when they see their own picture. So it's more so just adding the personalized touches and there is a line right there's a line that you really don't want to cross and honestly that same line is the, the type of information that we may not have access to in a year or so anyway, but the other information like their profile picture, which is clearly public or their name, which is going to be on their profile or things like that are, or if they opt in, they gave you their name. They gave you, they may have given you their domain or, or something of that nature, right? So these are things that you're still going to have access to in a year's time and five years time. Um, because it, it's public information that we're generally leveraging to create the personalized elements to create the message.
0: So you walk that line with some data points and some things that uh, probably aren't going to go away, and definitely don't cross that line and being the creepy stalker advertisement that that follows <laughs> you around the internet that everybody's freaked out about, which which right. is valid. Like
1: I noticed so, you went to KFC yesterday. Like, <laughs> like, right. Not do that.
0: Yeah having marriage troubles. You're like, no, not, <laughs> like, not get away. So I think that's what everybody's up in arms about. And, and that's what I think the governments are trying to regulate away. I think I speak to my mom sometimes and she, she doesn't get the whole overall picture. But when I described to her like, hey, when you go to Amazon, they know who you are and they rearrange the world's largest store instantaneously for you so that what you are seeing is the stuff you actually wanted and you're not wasting your time on like cat food, because you don't have a cat, <laughs> that, make, that underpins, it's the same technology. And so on one hand, personalization is fantastic and would be a detriment to the consumer if it went away. But on the other hand, you can use that same data to be like, follow somebody around with something that they wanted to shop for in private. Or they were searching for a new job. And so now all of a sudden employment ads are following them around at their workplace. It it becomes very problematic with what you want your devices to know. You were browsing or looking versus the things that you don't want them to know. So it'll be an interesting landscape. I don't know if you had a comment on this, but with iOS 15, have you heard about this update yet? Open rates are going to go be basically irrelevant. And so you're going to have to optimize for something other than subject lines and things like that, because Apple's going to tell you that your email was opened, even when it was only delivered. So what we recommend to folks, and and we had a guest on who was alluding to this, is get it while you can. The data's out there now. If you have in your MailChimp uh, system right now, a bunch of custom fields or your email marketing tool, whatever it is, and for 10% of your users let's say their gender or their zip code or something that you would like to know about them in the future, try to ask them now, get them to fill out a survey now, get your segments going right now and tag those contacts with folks that only hit the women's tab on the website or only hit the men's tab on the website and get some inference there because you might be losing out on that data in the next six months to a year.
1: So now when somebody opens an email, what are you going to do to help convert the people who are opening that email? And that's where personalization becomes even more important. That's where making sure that you're delivering a message that's very uh, fine-tuned to that audience that is opening those messages, that, is lo- that are looking at this XYZ, you want to make sure that it's very fine-tuned to who you're talking to, because you have to make it, you're going to have to make it count now. So I agree, collect as much information as you can, but also make sure that you are preparing your messaging to a point that, your conversion rates are going to be optimized as much as possible. So uh, honestly, I think a a certain amount of personalization is going to be almost required of each company at some point. Because like you said, if every single time you went to Amazon, you were bombarded with cat toys, like you said earlier, and you don't have a cat, you're going to be a lot less likely to shop there because you're, you're having to, to get through all this stuff that you care nothing about, that you care nothing about to even find anything that you want to purchase. So a certain amount of personalization is going to be necessary for that customer experience to really help with your conversions. So that the suggested product section of your website, the promotional emails that you send. So a lot of our clients are starting now with what you're saying is quiz opt-ins or just certain questions on their site to make sure that they're segmenting their audience appropriately so that they can deliver their messaging to be so fine-tuned to that potential customer or client that their conversion rates are going to skyrocket.
0: Well said. I don't think we can get a better better concluding statement than that. So the last thing we always try to wrap up with is tell folks how they can get in touch with you if there's a company or an individual out there that's about to set off on this journey. How can they hire, sell? How can they get the guidance from you that you are able to provide? Tell folks how they can look you up online and connect on LinkedIn and find your website and all that.
1: Absolutely. So I am, we are at masterlybusiness.com. And also you can find me at LinkedIn. I'm Sel Evans on LinkedIn. So if you guys need anything, we have an entire resource center on our website, a bunch of eBooks and checklists and things like that to help anybody getting started with their personalized marketing journey.
0: You heard it here first, folks. Thank you so much to Sel Evans for hanging out on the podcast. If you guys are looking for any assistance in personalization marketing those client avatars and ultimately getting more out of your marketing and advertising please go look up Cell evans from business masterly and she is going to take care of you thanks again Cell, for being on the podcast this is the attribution marketing podcast